morning. Wow, it's more. Today feels a little lighter. I don't know. I was watching the game last night at a wedding, and I shouted at a time I was not supposed to be shouting. But um, it was well warranted. I think three other people did too. So um, anyway, so uh, today we're going to be reading from John chapter 15, verses 8 through 17. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, uh, my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you my servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you uh, friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Say the Lord's scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Uh, you know, you had to get one that matched your shirt. That's what was going on. You're like, I got to get a red. And also, by the way, better decisions. Let's make better decisions next time we're at a wedding. But I feel you as well. I just want you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. All right. Well, as you said, as I said a little earlier. I'm wearing my Astros gear. I see some Astros gear out there. Love it, you guys. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And uh, so glad that you are sharing with us. Let's show this picture. I mean, it's just beautiful. The Houston Astros 2022 World Series champs. It's fantastic. It makes me happy. Uh, it's so good. Now, I'm just happy for a lot of different people. Let's go to our next slide here. Um, I'm happy for all of these people. Uh, this is Jose Altuve. He's one of the handful of people that was there whenever they lost 100 games in one season. That's pretty rough. And uh, he's been with us for a long, long time. I'm super happy for Jordan Alvarez, um, the guy down here in the bottom left. He is such a stud. I mean, that dude, my goodness, that, that home run that he hit yesterday was just epic. I mean, it was massive. And then I'm so happy for Justin Verlander. Uh, he's the guy here. He never won a World Series game as far as, as a starting pitcher and got an official win. Um, he was struggling because he was only married to a swimsuit model, Kate Upton, so, and making millions of dollars and all that stuff. So he was struggling, but he did get through, so it's good news for him. Um, but yes, uh, so Justin Verlander, I'm actually really, really happy for him. He'll be a Hall of Famer, and having that check mark on his resume is great. And then I'm so happy for Dusty Baker. 
I, I think he's 72 years old. Is that is that right? 70, 73. Okay, all right. Now, you guys are all paying attention now. I'm talking about baseball. You know, pay attention. I talk about the Bible. I can't get a word at edgewise. Okay, yes, but I'm so happy for Dusty. Seriously, came in in a really tough situation and has done a phenomenal job. 73 years old, and uh, from all the, the reports, just a phenomenal guy and uh, really great. But I'm happy for all of these guys, but none of these guys are quite as happy as this guy. Have y'all seen, have y'all seen him? <laughs> you don't know why, don't you? Yes? Okay. Yeah, go to the next slide. The Houston Astros, the World Champs, and Mattress Mag just made $75 million. He did have a lot of money, like, going into it. He had a lot of money to bet on the Astros, and all said and done, he made $75 million. Can we just agree that maybe outside of Jim Crane, who owns the Astros, that may be the happiest man in Houston right now? And can I just tell you something? If you're over 80 three years old, and you get that happy at any time in your life, man, good on you. That's all I got to say. Good for you. Here's what I will say. No cap, no joke, no lie. This guy right here is a guy I love, and I'll tell you why. If you guys remember, we opened our shelter here at Hurricane Harvey. There were a handful of places out here on this side of town where you could be safe, and one of them was Gallery Furniture. And he opened up the whole store to people to come in, basically ruin his inventory. Like, you can't sell those as new if people who are refugees have been there for a handful of days. He did not care. He welcomed people in. The people told him, don't let that happen because it's going to cost you millions of dollars in your inventory. He said, I don't care. Let those people in here. And he brought them in and he hosted our community whenever Hurricane Harvey hit and made people homeless. And so I got a spot in my heart for this guy. And good on you, Mattress Mac, and uh, I'm happy for you. Um, sprinkle a little this way over here to Eagle Heights Church. That's all I got to say. Okay, all right. Now, I know not all of you are Astros fans. You guys just indulge us today. It's been a good day. Uh, been a good weekend. And um, uh, my, my football team lost yesterday, but I don't even care. I'm excited. So uh, this is not the entire message. I just want you all to know that. All right, let's go to our next slide. Okay, all right. To the Bible. <laughs> Forget the baseball. To the Bible. Off we go. Thank you guys for indulging me. Don't miss this. Even if we choose to make great decisions, there are many times in your life and in my life that decisions are going to be made for us. So I start here to remind you of how important it is for you and I to make the right decisions every chance we get. And so if you're a person who is making the wrong choices on a regular basis, just understand you're going to multiply those because truth be told, sometimes bad decisions get made for you. We've talked about Joseph, we've talked about David from the scriptures, and how often they pursued God's path, and yet, in the midst of it all, for numbers of years, they were waiting on God to show up and show what he had been preparing. It was 14 years in both of their cases that they were on hold waiting for God to reveal his plan and his work. And so there were decisions that were being made by King Saul or Potiphar or Potiphar's wife or any of the others that had no, no bearing. It had so much bearing on their situation, but had no point, you know, where they said, this is a decision that I made. It was made for them. And so 
we have to be very careful and cautious that we make the right decisions every chance we get because there's plenty that are going to get made for us. Now, I know I don't want to go back and revisit this, but the truth of the matter is, is we all remember the trepidation, the fear, and the outright terror that some of us felt whenever COVID hit. We had nothing whatsoever to do with that, and yet every single one of us had our lives turned upside down, not because of a decision that we made, but because of a decision that someone else made. And so, things will affect you. Just don't let it be something that you knew better when you had that moment. Alright, so let's keep moving. Alright, as we keep going here, just a reminder, Andy Stanley is the pastor and author. He's the son of Dr. Charles Stanley. Many of you know him, know that name. And so, Dr. Charles Stanley is somebody who's been famous for a number of years in teaching his son, uh, who was at one time a very young man, is now about 62 years old, following in his dad's footsteps there in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and uh, pastoring and writing. And he wrote this great book called um, Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And so that's what we've been talking about. I've been leaning a little more heavily on this book and this entire series than I usually do. And so I encourage you, you can go back and reread these things. You'll hear some very familiar things some very familiar Bible stories that I've shared with you, but it is all available to you, and I believe it's on Audible if you're into Audible like I am. Let's keep moving. Something to learn. We've been going through some of the different reasons that we make bad decisions. Very quickly, we've been talking about confirmation bias, which basically means we only pay attention to those things which make us feel good because we think we're right. And then focalism, where we focus on only one part of the equation or the decision and we dismiss all those other things that do not agree with what we hope to hear. We also learn about the other things on our next slide here, where you see uh, the fallacy of origins, disregarding good information that originated from a source that we don't respect or want to give credence to. In other words, your sister-in-law who's so mouthy that you don't like, whenever she tells you the truth, you're less likely to hear it because of where it came from. Can I get an amen? Right? You, is it the only... <laughs> All right. Y'all are trying to get me in trouble. I see what's going on here. Y'all are pretending that isn't true in your house. All I got to say is Thanksgiving is coming. Let's keep moving. Five types of questions that we're going to ask. The integrity question, the legacy question, the conscience question, the maturity question, and today we're going to focus on the relationship question. And you're saying to yourself, wow, Randy, that's a lot of questions. Here's what I would say. You asked more than this already. Now, you haven't labeled them, and you haven't thought about it, but you asked more than this already whenever you think about the things that you're going to do. Let's go to our next slide. I put it there. What does it cost? Will someone find out? Would that make me happy? Will this hurt them? What happens if I do, and what happens if I don't? You ask all of these questions and more, don't you? Can we just admit it? I mean, we all ask all of these questions whenever it comes time to make a decision. So instead of asking all of the wrong questions, why not ask the right ones? And when you ask the right ones, you get information that helps you to make better decisions than how? You guys know what I'm about to say, right? Give me the Let's keep moving. Five questions to ask yourself. We've gone through all of these different ones. Last week, Eric asked, what is the wise thing to do? And then today, I'm going to talk about what does love require of me. Now, this is a little different, and I'll just clarify something for you. If you're not aware, this is a little different, and I'll share it with you as to why. 
In other words, in the past and up to this point, each and every one of these questions is probably going to get you to a place where you can make a decision that is in your hands, giving you information for the things that you can choose and control in your own life. Now we are about to talk about what is going beyond the golden rule. Andy Stanley calls it the platinum rule. It is even beyond the gold card status. It is the platinum card status, right? And it is the question of what does love require of me? And here is the thing. i got to be honest. This is what Andy says. But I also have something that I want to throw in. He talks about the fact that you don't know exactly how people will respond whenever you treat them as to this question of what does love require of me. Now, let's slow down for just a quick moment and let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something for somebody that was just purely out of love and for no good reason for yourself, but only good for that person? Have you ever had that happen in your life? Have you ever done that? Can I see your hands real quick? Anybody? Pretty much everybody. Okay. Some of you are either asleep or have not done that. I encourage you to do that. Here's what I would say. How many of you have realized that once you do the act for someone, the response is now no longer in your hands? Sometimes they are very, very grateful. And they respond in a way that you would never have even imagined. This is better than I thought. Many times they'll respond in a way that you go, that was nice. You know, that was kind of like a positive both ways. Sometimes they will respond as if you didn't do anything. Sometimes they will respond as if you did something to manipulate a situation for your own good. How many of you have ever had those experiences, right? We've all, we've all been there. Pretty hard to keep giving and keep loving and keep doing those things that we ought to do and loving others as Christ loved us whenever we know that it's not in our hands anymore. It's not up to me if I'm going to win this decision. I did the right thing, but now the results are out of my hands. This is what Andy is talking about in this final chapter. But I want to throw in my own two cents, if you will allow me to do that. There is a passage of Scripture from Galatians chapter 6. Some of our Bible study folks will remember we just went through this in the book of Galatians. And as you look into the book of Galatians, we see that there is a promise. There is a law that is as set in stone as gravity. And I'm telling you, I believe that with all of my heart. And here's what's crazy. Even if those people who are out there that don't believe in the Lord and don't believe in the spiritual realm, they, they slap another label on it and they call it the universe. If you continually put something good out into the universe, then you will get something good back. How many of you have ever heard that before, right? We've heard it. Here's how the Lord speaks about it. And here is His promise to us. Let's go to our next slide. Well... Let's go to the next slide. I got off somewhere. Here it is. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Can you guys read that last line with me? A man reaps what he sows. And that is mankind, not man. Ladies, this applies to you as well. And how many times have we found that when we are loving 
people show up in our lives as loving. And when we are wrong-spirited, when we are on edge, when we are frustrated, and it's written all over our body, and it's written in our body language, and we approach somebody, they can almost feed on that tension. Have you guys noticed that before? So here's what I want to tell you. Andy doesn't talk a lot about this, but I want to remind you that the more that you put out into the universe, the love, the more the God of the universe will turn around and bring it back into your life. I believe that with all of my heart. And it may not be in that in specific instance, but it always happens. And I believe for most of us, we are not often enough sowing love into the things that are going on in our life because, well, they don't deserve that. Or she doesn't, he hasn't earned that. She hasn't earned that. He hasn't been the person that should receive those things. And so we withhold not knowing that when you reap what you sow, every time you choose to not sow, later you do not get to what? Reap. So for us, whenever Jesus talks about this in His last words to this group of disciples that He's got, He is telling them the platinum rule. Not just do unto others as you would have them do to you. That is called the golden rule. But the platinum rule is to say to them, I tell you the truth. You love one another as I have loved you. This is the passage that Paul just read. And we're going to go a little deeper on that in just a second. Now, all right, Colin, if you don't mind, I know I got out of order. If you don't mind, we're going to roll that back and go to three things that we have to agree on very quickly. Our decisions are the steering wheel for the direction and the destinations of our lives. This lesson that I'm speaking today is universal. It's not for any one person specifically, even if I'm getting specific. It's not for you. It's for us. I just want you to know that. And I promise you, I never have, nor will I ever, as best I can, and with God as my help, I will never stand behind a pulpit and say to all of you what I can only genuinely need to say to one of you. That's a coward's way out, and God's Word is too important. I'm not compromising in that way, and uh, so I will not. This is for all of us, because all of us can benefit. And then thirdly, I must do some work to overcome the way that I allow myself to persuade me. This is true. I have to go a little deeper in my life, in the decisions that I make and why I make them, if I'm ever going to get better at making better decisions. And so these are things that we're agreeing on and moving forward in our lesson. Okay, let's keep moving here. Three unseen factors that prevent you and I from making good decisions. It's our emotions. It's our appetites. It's our time that is both perceived and real. Because many of us, and sometimes we think we've got so much going on that we don't have time to love as Christ loved us. And so we just don't. But in the process of it, we put ourselves behind the eight ball. There's so many factors going on in your life and mine as we make these decisions that we make. All right. Something to learn. This third something to learn. Jesus was about to leave the earth, and he told his disciples twice. He told them twice that they should love one another as he had loved them. And there was no space in there, right? One another uh, as he had loved them. He wanted them to love one another in that way. And let's 
point something out. Let's take a moment to just take a little time. He was not telling them a feeling to have, but an action to take. Therefore, love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Now, if I ask you to define what love is, you and I probably would tend to say, well, it's this feeling that you... It's not. Because for most of us, feelings, A, they lie. And then second of all, feelings come and go. How many of you have ever had your feelings lie to you about something that's going on? How many of you had feelings that come and go? I thank God, the woman that I am married to for getting real close to 32 years now, has not decided to leave when she was frustrated with me. Because, y'all, I'm going to be honest with you, she would have left on the honeymoon. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. We went snow skiing, and you dress in layers, and Shelly is meticulous, and I am a free spirit. And so after I got off the slopes, it was my honeymoon, I was ready to relax, kick back with some hot cocoa, snuggle up to my wife. So I took my outer shirt off and I threw it over there. And I took my outer pair of pants and the shell of pants and I tossed it over here. And literally like three days in, Shelly goes, Sweetie, are you going to pick up anything this entire time that we're together? And I was like, huh. We may be a little different on our desired (laughs) levels of, you know, she would have left. Why did she not? Because she had made a commitment. And love is a decision not a feeling. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And aren't you glad that when you were wrong, somebody loved you anyway? And when you were the one who was the mess, that God showed up in the midst of your mess and said, I'm going to take you out of this. I'm here to meet you where you are and take you to a new place that you need to go. That's the God that we serve. Now, Love is a feeling? No. Love is an action. God does not say, have this feeling, have this feeling, have this feeling. He says, no, no, no. Show them love. And you and I know what love looks like. Now, this is something that I want to share with you. And this is one of the things that Andy did just wonderful. Andy Stanley, in his book, said, On the night before he's arrested, Jesus says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And he said, this is the truth. What we do now is because we knew what was going to happen to him on that Friday and what was going to happen on that Sunday. We knew exactly what was about to take place. We think love as I have loved you. That means the cross. Can I remind you? That every single man that was in that room, every one of his disciples had a call on their life that had nothing to do with the cross. And when he said, as I have loved you, they didn't think of the cross. They thought of the Matthew, who was a, a social outcast, who nobody wanted to have anything to do with because he was a friend of Rome. And nobody liked him, loved him, wanted him, or wanted him close And Jesus walked by and said, leave that, follow me. And he stood up and he left because he knew there was an emptiness in his life. 
that the man from Galilee filled. And when he called his name, it changed everything for him. Love as I have loved you. That means we love those who have no one else to love them. It means that when you're Simon the Zealot and you want to kill somebody like Matthew, that literally was what they did. They were a political party who was uh, advocating violence against those who were the stool pigeons of Rome. But this is all in the Scriptures. It might be a little under the surface, but it is 1,000% there. And he says, love as I have loved you. That means that you don't care about political parties first. You care about who people are first. And I'm about to talk about this for just a second because we're real close to Election Day, all right? Election Day, you can come here and vote. And I will be one of those people who checks you in. Make sure you're not a voter fraud. All right, that's my job, okay? But seriously, you can come and be here, and I will be checking people in because I think it's important. I think it's very important. But I think it is secondary in every single way to the spiritual life that God sent His Son to cultivate. Every chance they tried to pull Him into a political discussion or to set up a political kingdom, Jesus had nothing to do with it. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And so instead of trying to be all about political and politics, do these things which love one another. And can I tell you guys something? Man, the church isn't even doing a good job of loving people that are a part of the church, but they're from a different political party. And that goes both ways. That goes from Democrats to Republicans and Republicans to Democrats. And all of that stuff has taken first place in our situation. And that is not what Jesus came to do. And I know in some ways you're like, man, don't be talking about politics. Y'all came here, we talk about religion. I mean, y'all know I'm not supposed to talk about politics and religion. I'm talking about both of them at the same time. Here is the truth for all of us. We need to love one another first and foremost as Christ loved us. We love someone else. That means that if you are a different political party than I am, I can still be your brother and I can still be, you can still be my brother or sister. Does not matter. Not to me. I, I have political views of my own and I will be voting on Tuesday. I promise you I will. Some of you might know what political party I'm at. Some of you might think you know and you might not actually know. But here's what I will say. In our society right now, it's like this. Neither one of us can get along. Do you remember what Jesus said before he left? By this all men you will know, will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And it's unfortunate to me that in our political discussions we can't even be decent towards one another anymore. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that I'd get a single amen, uh, and I didn't. So there it is. But this is the truth. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of every couple of years us being reminded that we're not all Americans. I'm tired of people acting like we're not all Americans when the truth of the matter is, is that we are. We're all living here together in this land. My goodness, let's get along. And even if you vote a different way, it doesn't mean that I love you any less. 
And I promise you that Jesus died for you no matter which side of the political aisle you came from. And he told us and challenged us and even called us out, love others as I have loved you. Not love others if they agree with you. Now, if you guys can say amen, please do. Amen? All right. Now, now I'm past meddling, and now I'm going to keep moving. Okay, but here's what I do want to share with you. In just a few moments, we're going to share a time around the altar. I don't always do this, but sometimes at the end of a, a time of teaching on a certain specific subject, I want to share an opportunity for us to share around the altar a time to pray. And maybe you want to come and pray for our country in the direction that it's going. Maybe you want to come and pray about something else altogether. And if that is where you are, that's fine. But this is a place for you. And this is a place for you to come and seek the Lord. And I encourage you, we'll do that towards the end of the message today. All right, very quickly. The big idea. Here is the big idea. And this is what it is. No, not that one. Let's go to the big idea. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. Very quickly, let's say it together. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. Here's where we can go from here. Jesus repeats this not just once, but twice in the last hours of his life, beginning in John chapter 15 that we read. And so let's talk about what we read earlier in John chapter 15. Let's go to our next slide. My command is this, love each other. How? As I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is Jesus speaking and saying, love each other, not as they deserve. Not as you would like to be loved, but as I have loved you. That's the degree. That's the platinum rule that goes beyond the golden rule. But this is not the first time he said it. Not even the first time he said it on this night. As a matter of fact, it's super important for us to grasp what's going on here. In John chapter 13, if you know your Bible, if you've read it a number of times, you know that in John chapter 13, Jesus does something very unique. He takes his robe off, and he grabs a towel and a basin, and he brings it over. And all of these men who've been out walking on dusty streets, and who are all saying, that's not for me to do because that is a, a, a job of somebody beneath my station, Jesus pulls the basin and towel over, and he kneels down in front of all of his disciples, and I do mean all, including Judas, who is hours away from betraying him, and he begins to wash their feet and cleanse them of the dirtiness that's on their feet so they can sit at the table and celebrate Passover meal. And in the midst of it all, this is what's going on and what Jesus says. Let's keep going here to John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Sound familiar? And then he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I want to make sure that you grasp it. Let's go to our next slide here. Uh, let's go to the one that talks about Judas, if you don't mind. 
Um, I know, I'm all over the place today. I really am. I'm sorry about that. Um, I tell you what, let's go to slide number 29, if you don't mind. And, uh, yeah, there it is. This is the condensed version of what's going on. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And Jesus answered, It is the one who I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it into the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And he took the bread and went out, and it was night. In other words, the foot washing just a moment ago and talking about loving each other, it all happened while Judas was still in the room. He didn't love because Judas was who he was. He loved because of who he was. Now, can I say something real quick? For most of us, we have bought into a lie that we are to love people in the way that we think they deserve. Not a single one of you wants to be loved the way that you deserve. You want to be loved better than you deserve, don't you? You want to be forgiven when you're falling short, don't you? I do. You know how I know you do? Because I do. Because all of us do. And we will all fall short. Jesus did not love Judas because of who Judas was. Jesus loved Judas because of who he was. Now listen. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the person who loves only those who love you? Are you a person who loves those when they deserve it? Or are you a person who loves as Christ has loved you? Meaning, when you did not deserve it, He loved you anyway. And when you did not earn it, He was there to give it anyway. Here's what I know. I want to be the kind of person who loves because of the kind of person I am and the love I've already received that's changed me. Not somebody who only loves those who earn it. This is the relationship rule. Loving those as Christ has loved us. Okay, let's go to slide number 20, if you don't mind. And Colin, I owe you like a dessert or something. I know, it's terrible today, all right? Slide number 20, very quickly, an Andy Stanley quote, slide number 20. As we look at this passage uh, that he's, he mentions here, is that number 20? Let's go one before that, if you don't mind. Um, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Ah, there we go. Jesus' followers would demonstrate their devotion to God by putting the person next to them in front of them. Authentic Jesus' followers would not authenticate their love of God by looking up. They would authenticate their devotion by looking around. This is how we know that we are His disciples, that we have love one for the other. All right. So, this is practical love, and I don't want this to get lost in a theoretical. So, I want to talk about four ways that we can love practically, and I think this will help all of us to remember how to love. Okay, so let's go two slides in front there. How to practically act in love. First of all, 
Let's focus on daily, not IG-worthy actions. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, if it's really good, it's going to make it out on the internet and the social media, right? I mean, because if I'm not very good at it, I want to make sure that I get all the documentation for all the good stuff that I actually do, right? Here's the truth. Sometimes we're waiting because it's not big enough. The truth is, is that we don't want something big. We want something consistent in our love. We give daily instead of just waiting for this big, grand gesture. How many of you have ever had somebody give you a big, grand gesture and it seemed hollow because it seemed more about them than about you? Have you ever had that happen before? Okay, so do it daily. Not IG-worthy, actually. Let's keep moving here. Yeah, (laughs) there's the expectation and then there's the reality. Um, the truth is, is that these things that you try to do that are big, grand gestures, they might kind of fall and fail. And then what have you got? So just do little things each and every day for those that you love. My kids live away, so I try to text them and not to tell them to do something or say something to them that they need to hear, but just to say, hey, listen, I just want you to know I love you, I'm thinking about you, and I'm proud of you. And when I do, they always seem to respond back in amazing ways. Like, I can't believe this. This is great. And it's like, well, that really wasn't hard at all. It took me 20 seconds to do it. And I'm going to tell y'all something. I've got to set a timer because I'm not real great at it. So once or twice a month, I'm reminded to send it to them. But don't tell them that it's just not, like, very good as a father. But I am organized. So that does help, right? You don't have to be good. Just be organized. <laughs> right? Put them on your priority list. doesn't have to be great or grand. Just tell them you love them. Tell them you're proud of them. And guess what? You don't even have to wait until your kids move away. It's incredible. All right, let's keep moving. Let's go to our next slide, how to practically act in love. This is so important. Force yourself to think generous thoughts. Force yourself to think generous thoughts. How many of you have ever really paid hard attention to the fact that when something gets frustrating for you or somebody doesn't live up to your expectation, that you start thinking about them in ways that you never thought about them before? You know what I'm saying? Like they were great people until they did that thing, and then suddenly they were the bane of existence, right? Like they're they're terrible people. They're trying to do this to me. No, they're not. They're probably just going in a different direction. And so you don't give them the benefit of the doubt because you're frustrated, hurt, or angry. Have any of y'all ever had that happen to you? And then what do you do? You act in a way that tells them that you're frustrated. And guess what? They act in that same way back to you. And it's a downward spiral. happens all the time. Because nobody can pull themselves out of the feeling in the moment and realize, you know what? This is the person that I know is an amazing person. Why am I thinking so negatively about him? Why am I thinking so negatively about her? Because you're caught up in the moment. So love them practically by thinking generous thoughts about them. Very quickly, let's go to our next slide. Love chooses a generous explanation when others don't meet our expectations, is what Andy Stanley says. And it is so true and it is so good. Let's go to our next slide. People don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them. They often believe what their friends tell them, but they always believe what they tell themselves. I share this with you all the time. 
because your self-talk is so important. Your self-talk can talk you right out of a relationship with a lot of people in a lot of situations if you are not careful to be generous with your thoughts about those that you love. Let's keep moving. Forget who they are and know who you are. I've already talked a little bit about this. The Bible tells us in John chapter 13 that Jesus, knowing that He had come from the Father and that He was about to return to the Father, took off His outer garment, took a basin and towel, and began to wash the disciples' feet. I love that the Bible tells us that He knew who He was. He knew where He was going and what He was about to face. And in the midst of it all, He had time to love other people. Know who you are and know who you want to be and act in that way. Not because they deserve it, but because you are a child of God and you're His representative. Okay, I I want to skip forward. Uh, Let's keep going to practical love, that fourth one, that, that, that practical love number D. Fix what you didn't get right when you came in. I'm going to say a hard phrase for us. It's going to be hard for your mouth to pronounce it, but I want you to try. You guys ready? I'm sorry. Would you guys try this difficult phrase with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. I'm sorry. Some of you can't do it today. I've literally watched your face enough. You see, we just don't say we're sorry. We don't take a moment to say, you know what, I didn't get that right. I should have said this, and I wish I had said this. I can't go back and do it again. But if I could, I would go back and I would do it this way. I would say these words. I would not take that action or that attitude. You know, it's an incredible thing. You don't always have to get it right. But when you know you don't get it right, if you say those two difficult words that I'm sorry and say that thing where you say, if I could go back and redo it, I'd do it in a different way, you'd be amazed at the impact that it can have. You don't have to get it right in the moment, but you do have to take responsibility to get it right and make it right when you can. Better decisions, fewer regrets. All right, very quickly, how do you apply this message This is how you apply this message. You identify where you can put the person beside you, in front of you, and you identify where you tend to act without considering who you are and who you want to be. There's probably a place, whether it's work or home or in certain relationships or wherever it may be, that you tend to act in a different way than you want to be. And maybe there's a certain relationship where you should be putting someone in front of you, but you don't, even though you know you should. This is how you can apply this message, how you can make a better decision and consider those new paths that God would have you to take. Now, I'm just going to go to the big question that I'm closing with today. And this is where I'm going. Just the big question. Who is it that you need to show practical love to? And how does that best begin? Does that best begin with a text, a phone call, an email? I mean, how does it best begin? Does it begin with a, a bouquet of flowers? 
Does it begin with a conversation or a cup of coffee? Does it begin with reaching out to somebody? Maybe reaching out to them and connecting with them on social media? I don't know. But how does it best begin for you to show practical love to somebody that you know you need to show that love to? These are your opportunities to say, this is what God is doing in our situation. I want to be involved in it. I want to be a person who's making the right choices and not the wrong ones. I want to make better decisions and have fewer regrets. So very quickly, I don't want to take too long. I told you that I was going to open up the altar for just a brief moment, for probably just a couple or three minutes. We're going to take some time, but you can also just sit there if you choose. But there are going to be people that are going to want to come and kneel here. And maybe you have a relationship or a situation that you want to be praying about. And if that's the truth, please come. This is your opportunity. And this is an opportunity for you to say, I'm making a decision to go in a different direction with the decisions that I've been making. I want to start putting others first more than I have. And I want to be the person that God would have me to be. And I want it to begin now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have them kind of play a little bit of music. And we're going to take just a couple of moments that you could come and join. And so I encourage you, if you're interested in coming and being here at the altar, please come. Let's take a few moments here and share uh, as we seek the Lord.